Gospel of John in the eighth chapter. Let us attend to the word of God. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and making her stand before all of them, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They said this to test him so that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote his finger on the ground. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way, and from now on, do not sin again. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. For many years, there was an organization in Los Angeles that operated an apology hotline where uh, folks could call in and confess their wrongdoings to what was essentially a bank of answering machines. More than 200 people a day called in and left these anonymous 60-second confessions. And at times, so many people called in that the system was overwhelmed and couldn't handle the volume at all. Today, there is a very popular website called Post Secret that operates in much the same way where people send in anonymous postcards confessing things they have done and then those postcards are put up on the web for all to read. Friends, why would so many people feel the need to call an apology hotline or send in a confessional postcard to be read by strangers? Well, maybe it's because So many of us carry around guilt and shame attached to things that we've done in our past, mistakes that we have committed, and we just don't seem to be able to rid ourselves of the memories. I don't know about you, but I have an uncanny ability to remember the things I've done wrong. I'm the same person who can't tell you what I had for dinner last night. But I can tell you that I remember vividly in 1985 at a college dance, I said something very rude to another girl about her new haircut. Friends, this is the second of two sermons I'm offering on the topic of forgiveness. Last week, we talked about forgiving others for serious offenses, and this week, we are talking about forgiving ourselves. And I'll tell you, between the two... I think this week is a more difficult topic for a lot of us. As one woman said to me this past week, forgive others, no problem. Forgive myself, big problem. Friends, why is it such a big problem? Why do so many of us struggle to let go of guilt and shame attached to things we've done in our past? Why do so many of us repeatedly beat ourselves up over and over again for things we had done, even minor mistakes? 
Well, psychologists say there are three primary reasons. The first is that we live in a secular culture that teaches us there is no such thing as grace. There's no free lunch. There's no real gift. You've got to earn or deserve, somehow pay for, everything that you want or need in this life. Second, graceless religion that teaches that our primary purpose for being here is to follow the rules, and if we do not, the result is everlasting punishment and condemnation, rejection. And finally, friends, there are many of us who have been raised by parental or other authority figures who meant well, but when we made a mistake, said something to us like, don't you feel ashamed of yourself? And we did. And we do. The result? Millions and millions of people who deep down believe that they've got to earn or deserve or somehow pay for the love and the acceptance that they crave, even from God. So in order to earn this on the front side, we we try to be as perfect as we can be. Many of us hold ourselves to a standard of near perfection that we would never apply to other people. We can forgive others for things, but if we make a mistake, it's a different story. I used to work with a woman like that. She tried so hard to do absolutely everything perfectly so that she would not be shamed or punished. I could count on it every time she had a major client meeting. She would sometime later in the day make her way to a chair in my office where we would sit and she would process with me every single thing she did or said in that meeting. She just wanted to assure herself somehow that she had done everything perfectly. And when she didn't, When she fell short, when she made a mistake, when she didn't offer her best, when she didn't present things exactly as she could have, she tortured herself. She beat herself up again and again and again. She jumped on this hamster wheel of guilt and could never seemingly get off because you see, friends, that's the flip side of the perfection coin. When we fail... When we make a mistake, when we sin, which we do because we are human beings, well then, we're back to earning or deserving again. We think we've got to earn or deserve forgiveness from God. We think we've got to do something, do something to make it okay for God to forgive us. And let's be clear, we're talking about God's forgiveness here. It isn't possible, really, for us to forgive ourselves. What is possible is for us to accept the forgiveness that we know in Jesus Christ that comes to us as a free gift, and yet so many of us are so caught up in the earning and deserving and shame paradigm that we see grace out there, but we think somehow it just doesn't quite apply to us. So we've got to do something to pay, to make it okay, and many times that takes the form of beating ourselves up, revisiting things we've done again and again and again and again and again, as if we can do that enough, we can somehow cross a magic line, somehow suffer enough, that then we will have paid and it will be okay for us to experience forgiveness. 
There was a man who worked for a very large company in Dallas who was returning one night on a plane from a business trip, and he got to talking to the guy sitting in the seat next to him. You know how you do that on planes? You're making small talk, and somebody says, what do you do? And then you start talking about that. Well, that's what happened. And he talked and talked and got a little uncorked, you know, told this stranger that there were some things about his company he really didn't like, some things management was doing that he didn't agree with, some products he didn't think were very good. He was, he was pretty negative in the end. Well, the next morning he went to work and he was called into his boss's office and unceremoniously fired on the spot. Because it turned out that sitting behind him on that plane was an executive from the same company that he didn't recognize. And that person overheard the entire conversation and some of that conversation violated company policy. So this executive went straight to management, reported it, and it cost this man his job. Well, you can imagine, he was horrified and ashamed. He felt like the most foolish person in the whole world. And he was humiliated to clean out his desk and then go home and have to tell his family that he was out of work and why. It hurt his family financially that he lost his job and it took him a while, given the circumstances, to find another one. But he did. His family recovered financially. He apologized to everyone. He confessed to God his mistake. And yet he just couldn't get the forgiveness going in here. Years later, this man was still revisiting this incident as if it was the marker of his life. The penultimate event. He told everyone how terrible he felt how foolish he was, how he could never, ever forgive himself. Again, friends, this went on for years and years as he revisited this mistake that he had made as if somehow he would do this enough that he would get to a point that this wrong would be made right. But, of course, he never got there. It never worked that way. Instead, He just dwelt in guilt that made him miserable. Friends, let's talk about guilt for a minute because it's a serious issue for us. You see, guilt can be a positive thing in the short term. Guilt can be a good thing when it helps us recognize that we've done something wrong that has harmed ourselves or other people. Guilt can be good if it pushes us to apologize or make amends. It can be very good when it pushes us to confess and repent, to turn away from what we have done, to do better by the grace of God. That's all good, but that's where the good part of guilt ends. You see, friends, guilt has a very limited shelf life. It is not an end in itself, It is not a place to perpetually dwell while we beat ourselves up and try somehow to pay for what we have done. I want to be clear here. If we accept God's forgiveness that is freely offered through Christ, 
that doesn't mean we are letting ourselves off the hook or that we don't understand that what we did caused harm, we can't see the consequences of it. You can accept God's forgiveness for a mistake that you have made and still accept full responsibility for what you have done. These things are not mutually exclusive, you see. What we're getting at, friends, goes to the very heart of our faith as Christian people. Because what we're talking about is accepting the forgiveness that comes to us as a free gift in Christ, one who took all of our sins and mistakes on himself and opened up a path to God. To reject that forgiveness means to reject one of the basic tenets of our faith. Friends, Holy Scripture is clear that God's primary job is not sitting around waiting for you to do something wrong so your eternal balance sheet can be marked with an X and you may ultimately be punished. God's intention for the world is redemption. God is grace. Grace is what God does. John 3.17 tells us that God sent his son into the world not to condemn but to save. That's what God's up to, you know? Why would we condemn ourselves when that is not God's will for us? Do we have a higher standard for forgiveness than God does? Throughout Holy Scripture, Jesus is shown to be preaching the forgiveness of sins. He sought out individual people to assure them that they were forgiven and set free. Grace is real. And you are not exempt from it. No matter what you have done. And if you doubt that, if in your heart you wonder, if you can see grace out there but you just don't seem to be able to grasp it for yourself, then I want to urge you to get into your Bible this week and turn to our text this morning. As an aside, I hope you're in the Bible every day or at least once a week. But if you're struggling with letting go of mistakes, accepting forgiveness from God, turn to this passage. Read it slowly and prayerfully. Read it every day until it sinks into your heart. Because this text about Jesus' encounter with a woman who has been accused of adultery is a treasure of infinite worth. I can't think of another passage other than the description of his crucifixion on the cross that more fully reflects the heart of God to us. Now John tells us that Jesus has been in the temple teaching when the Pharisees and the scribes drag in this woman off the street and stand her up before him and accuse her of adultery. Teacher, they say, she's been caught in the act. You know the law of Moses. 
A woman like this should be executed, right? Jesus doesn't respond at first. Instead, he bends over and he writes something in the dust with his finger. But they continue on. Come on, teacher. She is a sinner. The law is clear. Someone like her should be stoned to death. Right? And they all pick up a rock. And they step in a little closer. At that point, Jesus stands up and looks at them and says, Well then, the one who is sinless among you can cast the first stone. And their silence, broken only by the occasional thud of a rock hitting the ground. And one by one, all the accusers slink away, leaving the woman alone with Jesus. And he says to her, woman, where have they gone? Does no one condemn you? And she says, no one, sir. Well then, says Jesus, neither do I condemn you. Go now and sin no more. Friends, does Jesus say, go now and beat yourself up about this for the rest of your life? Or does Jesus say, go now and drag this sin and every other sin you've ever committed and everyone that will ever follow it with you everywhere like a giant burden until such time as I see you've suffered enough and maybe you've proven to me how sorry you are and then I'll think about forgiving you? No. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go now and sin no more. Through the ages, scholars have debated what Jesus wrote in the dust with his finger that day. But I'll tell you what I think. I think he wrote the word grace. Friends, grace is real. No matter what the secular culture says, no matter what graceless religion says, no matter what well-meaning authority figures have told you, grace is real and you are not exempt from it. Forgiveness is ours as a free gift through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you are struggling with things you've done in your past, if you beat yourself up all the time because of your mistakes, I think it's time you get off that hamster wheel. Forgive yourself because God already has. Will you pray with me? Most loving God, we give you thanks for by your grace we are truly saved. We are set free of our past sins and mistakes to move past our past and write a new story. Open our eyes and our hearts, O oh God, to know grace and to know peace. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Our invitation to Christian discipleship this week
is to accept the forgiveness that God offers you in Jesus Christ. You are not exempt from grace, no matter what you may have done. And if you will open your heart to it, you will know peace and freedom. The invitation is also made if you'd like to join our church. I invite you to come forward as we sing our final hymn together. It's number 374, Standing on the Promises. If you know the parts, if you know the parts, choir, will you all sing them? Will you all sing the parts if you know them? Okay, let's stand and let's sing. <laughs>